Karen from Wildwork, and welcome to this special three-part episode, Wildwork, Five Years In. In the episode, Amanda Greer, Lead Biodiversity Trainer with Ferry, interviews Will O'Halloran from Wildwork about the origin of Wildwork, Wildwork's teaching philosophy, and the Wildwork movement to connect everyone who wants to help nature. The episode has been recorded to accompany the exciting Wildwork Leader Cooperation Project occurring across South Cork, West Cork, West Limerick, and Cavan. In part one, Amanda and Will talk about biodiversity-themed action and investment in a local development context, which led to Wildworks' establishment in 2017. I know you've done biodiversity action plans. They're very good, actually. That's a compliment you on them. I know you've done invasive species actions, and I know um, you've organised loads of, you know, educational events and walks and talks and, like, I, I want to know, I suppose I want to get my head around all the stuff that Wild Work has kind of done and how you got started. And you said conditions were ideal at the time for Wild Work to be created. So let's talk about that. What does that mean? So what happened? What, what conditions were ripe uh, for it to happen, Will? Well, we didn't have Wild Work for a long time in CCAD. Yeah. And what CCAD was working with communities in Cork mainly, uh, East Cork originally, and then moving south towards Cork Harbour and moving a little bit west, but always working on the ground with community-based organisations on a range of projects related to community development. It could be tourism projects, business projects, it could be farming projects, food projects, it could be through education, youth, a whole plethora of things. So quite a lot of projects that are actually nature based. So even like around 1995, CCAD went on some sort of interterritorial trip. They went to Italy to look at local development there and they had developed a bird watching trail in Italy, a bird watching trail experience. And it led to CCAD developing something similar in East Cork called the East Cork Bird Trail. And there was a bird hide developed at Ballyvergan Reed Bed in Yall. And there was specialists came over to construct the, the, the bird hide from the UK. So it was real leading sort of stuff and working together with the landowners and local community people. That's just as one example. Then you'd encounter nature, wildlife, biodiversity type stuff in other projects like the development of walking trails would be a good example. There's, or it may be then that someone decides they're going to develop a community hall or they're going to put some bridge across some river they're going to do something somewhere and it turns out it's in an important nature spot so CCAD might be supporting a community group through helping them gain access to ecological consultants so loads of things to do with nature and biodiversity going on in CCAD and then when you work in funding circles like CCAD do like local development companies do you're also interacting with other um, funding opportunities for the communities which you work in like large ones so there's things like in ireland we may have heard of life projects where there's like a multi-million fund can be secured through the eu to do something big for nature in your area it has to be some for some new innovative idea and ireland might ireland might have um i guess don't quote me on the figures but we've probably had no more than 10 life projects in ireland so it's kind of they don't happen everywhere they're not always going on there has never been one in CCAD's territory, for instance. And what I'm getting at here is that 
we're talking about money and money being spent in all these wonderful projects, but there's a, there's a whole load more work out there that has always needed to be done, particularly in the biodiversity sense that hasn't been happening because though there are funds and money there, there's not enough. There hasn't been enough historically. And what that means is that there can be a lot of competition to try to secure funding. So if there's community groups through leader funding in the past wanted to do something for nature, there might be 20 groups want to do something for nature, only 10 of them might get the funding, for example. But that happens higher up the chain too. So organizations like CCAD might want to have something like a life project or some other large scale thing where they can try and make a difference with local communities in Cork, for example. And there might be 25 other companies like CCAD wanting to do the same thing in Europe and only three of them are going to get the funding. So you're investing lots of time and effort trying to secure this money to go and make a difference. Then CCAD and other local development companies spend loads of time trying to secure projects and bring in funds for the places which they work and are unsuccessful lots of the time. So there wasn't enough money. There still isn't enough money, I would say. That's an opinion there, but I would say that there still isn't enough. There are promises of lots more and things have improved. But certainly going back six or seven years ago, there definitely was enough money and there hadn't been historically. So this was a big factor Like for basically what that meant. You need money to make things work. So things weren't working. And CCAD had a lot of experience of there not being enough money in this area. And so money was a factor and it was something for there has to be some other way for this to work. There's got to be. And it led us to look to a different way of doing our business. So it, well, that was kind of one of the things that brought about Wildworth, one of them now, the money thing. So meaning that you couldn't go out there and ask the government, would you give us a load of money there to set up this initiative? Because it just wasn't happening. And you could probably be the same with other governments in other countries. And it's irrelevant to the government even were at the time or anything. It's just the way things were. So we were... We're based in an area, CCAD is, where there is actually a lot of money. It's quite a, it's not a, though there are disadvantaged areas where we are based, one of the things about where CCAD traditionally operates is that there's a lot of big industry, big farming, big factories, real close to Cork City. So there is a lot of money there in the private sector. And we were thinking, geez, like, what about the private sector? They, like, let's not, tarred them all with the brush that they were usually tarred with saying like they'd have no interest in um in this like sure big industry only cares about polluting the environment like as if they would want to do something to help nature so instead of being cynical like that we were like hang on a minute like maybe these guys are interested so part of our strategy with Wildworth then was let's approach the business community to see if they want to invest money into biodiversity themed activity and that was one of our targets to do that and we needed to set up a wild work to be able to do that and in setting it up what it actually meant was CCAD used its own money to establish wild work and then we then approached the business community saying we're doing this would do you want to do it with us now what we told them is the other thing this is some of the catalysts for wild work we told them and this was true, and it's still true, that there, we saw unbelievable enthusiasm 
in the communities we are working in to want to do stuff to help nature. At the time now, like um, tackling Japanese knotweed was a big thing. And the all Ireland pollinator plan was just starting to come about for the first time. But it, in particular, knotweed, tackling invasive species, but knotweed was a big one. And we had seen two things with that enthusiasm. It was there, it was very real, and people wanted to do stuff to make a difference to help nature. Secondly, though, people were doing stuff and it wasn't necessarily helping nature. So with Japanese knotweed or any other invasive species or any action you're going to take to help nature, it's easy to do the wrong thing. And one of the unfortunate things as well is it's easy to copy people who have done the wrong thing. And for it so to go saw, viral, <laughs> the wrong yeah, thing yeah. starts no yeah, so, yeah. So we saw a need for some coordination here and some expertise to help people to do the right thing to help nature. And that's what we were saying to the business community as well, that like, and we weren't looking for them then to sponsor community projects that were going on. We were saying in working with these communities, a service like ours is needed with Wildbrook, where we can help you to do it. And you essentially pay us for that service. And in so doing, we help you to do the right thing to help nature because it's a great thing to do. Do you want to do it? And it wasn't just about saving bees with the all-earned pollinator plant. It was actually that we had experienced and through recreation activities as well, that and the well-being side of things, this was a great thing for people. And like the word mindfulness started coming along around that time, being spoken about a lot, and maybe mindfulness got surpassed by well-being now. But in the last few years, and even during COVID, the idea of well-being, this, that, the other, all these sort of get back in touch with nature, it's a real growing space prescribing nature for health. So we could see that was coming. Like, So we were setting up this initiative that needed to bring in investment through having private clients that could offer a service to help um, people to do the right thing and that could help coordinate stuff that's happening. So bring the local community groups together with business and when we're talking about community, then that's a diverse space. You know, it's not just the community groups themselves then either. It's also, we're always interacting with state agencies, like the local authority is a really good example. And what else would we be doing? Um, we'd be linking in with farmers, or we might be linking in with the tourism providers, or I mentioned it earlier, the range of different groups Seek had worked with. We did a count on how many, this, so this was in, 2017, we tried to count how many organizations, community-based organizations, SEEK had had a relationship with, like a proper relationship, not just we met them once, gave them a grant, bye-bye, never heard of them again. And we stopped counting at 500. Jeez. You know, so like we we went and said, we're saying this to the business community, like that, that this is very real, SEEK had saying this need for this. And uh, we were hoping that the business community would be interested in investing in it, and then it would help to bring in some money into this space and we were always then open as well to doing business too with local community groups and others, but our target was very much at the businesses and we wanted to try and make a difference in this space. So they're the kind of things, they're the things that brought it about. And um, prior to CCAD establishing it then, we had actually been trialing stuff in-house in CCAD. Um, like one program we have in CCAD is called TUS. It's, it's actually national throughout the country. And it's a, it's a work placement scheme for people who are on a social welfare payment of 12 months or more. 
and the people are put into a 19 and a half hour placement with volunteer not-for-profit community-based organizations and the work could be doing anything the idea of it really is like to give people a chance to get back into work or to try something different and you could have a range of people in there uh working on twos but one of the things about the sort of people that are in there is there's a lot of people that might be interested in nature and then they're linking in with a lot of groups who are, are interested in nature too. So we started trying to establish placements on twos that were themed around biodiversity. So some of the initial not weed work we were doing, we were doing it without being paid or anything. We were trialing this be, uh, in partnership with the local authority to pick some spots in community in communities in Cork where there was a not weed problem but somewhere that was suitable to an education slash research project, like a site that was in the public realm where it was okay for us to do it, that we could, people could see what was happening, that there was a community link. And we, we started trialing it and we got training for how to do it properly for two participants. And so we were kind of doing stuff like that. And then we had places where we had participants and they worked with, there was one group now in Cove and there's a strong affiliation there with Birdwatch Ireland and there's a nature reserve and a really amazing community volunteer there. Jim Wilson is his name. He'd be doing lots of work on managing this nature reserve and with the help of other people in Cove as well, but doing a lot as well to kind of document and record what was there. So we set up placements at Cuskinny where the participants, they were responsible for doing some maintenance work, like maybe litter picking or, helping to work on tackling knotweed if there was a thing opportunity there for, for that. But what Jim got them doing as well was recording birds to so set up a monitoring program that the participants would monitor the birds for Jim and then give him the records. And then because they were there and it was in a public place, they'd have a high-vis vest on, you know, they got one made up to say what they were doing and then they'd meet members of the public and tell them about the reserve and share the story of birds. We got all these kind of projects like that going and we found it was working really well. And the bit of it that we thought that was exciting too, well, one of the bits was that the people doing this work really got a lot out of it. You know, like I met one guy before and he came to a two's interview and it was like, oh, geez, I've got to go do this thing. Like, you know, what am I going to put me doing? And I met him like, and it's there's a questionnaire and it's all standard questions. And look, it could be a bit of a tedious process to have to go through this application thing where you have the interview with someone that's working on two CCAD but it was it, the approach we used to take was like what are you interested in you know tell us do you have any hobbies we always look out for what their hobbies were and it turned out one of the big things this young person was interested in was watching nature documentaries he thought it was so cool and he never knew that you could work in nature based work unless you were had a PhD, been to college for like seven or eight years and had loads more experience. So he was thinking that the, the sort of level of attainment you'd have to reach to, be able to work on something to do with wildlife was just way, way beyond him. And when we told him about, actually, no, like, would you like to work on a project where we sow wildflower seeds and see if we can get them to grow and then record what comes out and see what sort of wildlife it might support and then maybe share that with other people and started telling about all the different stuff we were doing and we were looking for people that are interested in trying to do that sort of work and he was just blown away that this was something he could actually do like and 
like it almost the idea ideally was that this person would gain some new skills get kind of inspired to do a new thing and might go on and decide to go to college do something to do with nature and maybe one day ends up having a phd or something or whatever else but regardless of that if none of that ever happened this person had a really enriching experience for them while they were just doing the work with us so we thought that was big like and it still is so that's perhaps me giving an example of the like what we say while we're helping people help nature help people that's the part of it like and and guys like that as well on that scheme by not being in work he mightn't have been integrated into his community so he gets to meet new people uh, get to get involved with the local tidy towns group or yeah so it's there's that social element and uh we we did some really cool stuff like there was um or there was people there there was one woman and she had had children and she wasn't working for maybe five or six years and she had a degree in it was a nature related degree and she was a highly talented amazing person but from being away from work for so long just thought like you know this has surpassed me i no longer able to do that sort of work anymore we got her in in a placement and got her researching stuff to do with recreation and the outdoors and knowing that she was going to be amazing anyway and she mm. was and the person just blossomed and got back and so we found that, like you could say that for any kind of work or any kind of career but there's something extra there when it's nature related because the type of work that you end up doing it's so very real and in touch with maybe who we actually are as beings like naturally but we're we have evolved to live in nature and to be part of it so if you give people a per- sense of purpose doing something that's linked with that it can be very powerful so there's a whole load in there right it, i would just say that anything to do with working in nature it's amazing and it's it's important to do it but actually regardless of how nature might benefit it, what people actually get out of it is the really amazing thing so they could be their confidence could develop they could develop a new interest in getting outside it could be good for their physical health they could be good for social interaction there's like it's it's actually unbelievable and for anyone then who works in a nature-based job you might be an adventure sports instructor or you might be someone who's an ornithologist and you travel around the country surveying coastal birds so if you're someone in a job like that you get out into wild landscapes you get to immerse yourself in nature yeah you get to go on adventures and these experiences then they actually shape you and you know what that's like so there's bits of research done on it and it's, it's hard to maybe be able to quantify that somehow but for anyone who it's the same with like farmers going back to the farmer who get to be out on the land with their animals or who get to like watch their animals grow or give birth or all these sort of things these sort of ways of these experiential type of ways of working they're really powerful and healthy for us and while we're just trying to make more of that sort of stuff happen just to give the opportunities for to access that outside as part of your as part of your work yeah you're saying all that and my mind was just remembering when I that used to be my job I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I used to, that was how I had structured my life until now. I now I spend so much of it sitting in front of a computer organizing other people to go outside. <laughs> mm. Oh well. 
Mm. Yeah, sure. Look, that's no different from me as well, you know, but like, but not all the time. And one of the things then about Wild Rock, part of the journey where we went, which was really amazing when we went to the business community. And this is this, it's actually the same as like earlier when I said about farmers, you know, we could almost be condescending and say, we're going to go into the farming community and teach them all about how to care for the landscape properly. <laughs> like, but the reality is the farming community, yes, there are some people in there who don't give a sugar about wildlife, but there's actually loads of people who really care about wildlife and are passionate about it and are interested in it. And um, you go into the business community, so go into some big pharmaceutical company or an IT tech company or whatever, and you find that someone is there and their job is building a website or their job is helping to oversee compliance on the manufacture of a really expensive drug that gets exported to Belgium and Belarus or whatever, right? They've got some, they do work that you think has got nothing to do with nature and you therefore think these people have no real interest in nature or whatever. Then what you find out is like this person, when they were a kid and a teenager, they grew up on a farm and the farm was like as good as organic organic didn't exist when they grew up and they were from like generations of farmers and the way they farmed the land was really holistic and in a real natural way and they still did hay with sides and they had only 10 cows and milk them by hand or whatever they had they were kind of semi-natural farming you would say and really interested in that and it was always with them as something they were passionate and cared about but then when they grew up it might have been them and they had uh they might have had two brothers and a sister and only one of them could go on into the farming and the rest had to do something else. So what will I do? Oh, I'll go to college. Jesus, that thing there with the pharmaceutical industry sounds interesting to me. And off they go and they end up with a career down this avenue in a pharmaceutical plant and they could spend 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years working there, moving on up and they might be in a highly influential position. And at the core of who that person is is still a real passion and interest in nature. So what Wildwork did is we went out there and we ended up finding those people. We found people that worked in environmental health and safety who thought like the idea of penalizing people for environmental performance was just a waste of time. They wanted to be able to offer them a carrot and say like, come on, let's help nature because it's actually brilliant. Let's perform better for the environment because it's a cool thing. Let's do it because we can learn something and share what we learn with our children. So we found loads of people within the business community and you find it everywhere that there's people who the idea of helping nature or doing stuff in nature really, really strongly resonates with them. Like, and that is one of the things about our work, Amanda, for me, that if you get stuck having to like give presentations or do stuff on a computer or whatever, one of the cool things for you is that you're doing it for these people or you're getting to interact with these people. And that's the really amazing thing. Like, and they are the connections back out onto the landscape. But we, we found them everywhere. I found a person who I knew from college and they were working in a factory and were probably the most. So this was in an ecology themed course to be done. And this person was probably the most into nature person of everyone in that course. It was mad into like filming video and all whatever else. And they just so happened to end up working the factory because there wasn't a job for them yeah in the waste in the sector yeah 
And like, but but the this is the thing about what, what we saw with Wild Work and this piece we didn't touch on, but we maybe we did with the money. CCAD, so local development companies are involved in supporting employment activation too, in a big way. One of the, even though this cooperation project training program, it's funded through LEADER, which is all to do with community development, we'll say. But there's another big, program that we all operate which is called SciCap at the moment it's had different names it's a social inclusion program and it's all about first of all reaching hard to reach communities to help link them in with supports and services that can help them help them in the sense of getting them back into work training employment supporting their well-being whatever it is so it's like if you looked at an organization like SciCap now at least a third of all the work that's done by the company is in this space. So it's it's a big area of work. And employment activation is the big thing. So one of the things, that, the driving factors behind World Work is that if we can get money spent on biodiversity action, someone has to do that work and be paid for it. So we are trying to grow employment in the biodiversity sector. Unfortunately, with the small amounts of money that's invested into biodiversity action, it creates a dynamic of maybe competition between people that are involved in this space. You might have in a county, let's say Dublin. I don't know a lot about the Dublin scene, so forgive me, but I'm just totally imagining this and making it up, right? But you could have 25 different environmental teams or organizations in Dublin city area, and they all want to do something and make a difference, and they all are creative and come up with a cool project, and there's good people in them, and then they go to get money or try to get sponsorship, whatever to do with a thing, and one gets it over the other or whatever, and you create this dynamic of, oh, our, this is our turf, or that should be our money. And it's like almost creating a scenario where they're all trying to fight for something out of the same pot. It's like not a good scenario. So what we're thinking about Wildrick is if, if you establish an initiative like Wildrick in, again, completely making this up, in county, name a county there, any county you want. Hopefully. Awfully, yeah. What you'd hope happen is Wildbrook starts doing its thing, drumming up interest in nature-themed activity, getting businesses, farmers and tools, local community groups, the local authority. No, they're interested already. So we'll say increasing the amount of interest they have in doing something. And ultimately, it leads to money getting spent and someone has to do work. So what we kind of hope happens then is it creates more opportunity for people to be paid to do work in the biodiversity sector. This is a critically important thing. And it's something that for me, I um, I think this is hugely important because another dynamic that goes on within conservation is the mantle is carried by volunteers. It's carried by people who are doing it because it's important, but ultimately they're doing it for nothing. So the value, there's no value placed on it then. So a really important thing about Wild Records is about acknowledging that we need to spend money and invest money on nature, that this isn't the role and responsibility of volunteers. This is something we need to actually invest money into. So we're trying to create that dynamic that makes that happen. And that's very important. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have volunteering and all whatever, which of course we should. It's, it's wonderful, but we need to kind of move away from that because what goes on actually a lot of the time is, and then the volunteer organizations, like they manage to get a thousand euros to do something. 
And it's like, oh, thank you so much. You gave me a thousand euros to do something. Oh, this is great. We got a thousand. <gasps> and the thousand euros is so precious. They should be getting 10,000 and more. And they're just getting itty bits of scraps and they're being so grateful for it. And it's like, oh, but we want to change that and get it. Like, no, we need to actually make something bigger happen here, like more meaningful. And this is a sector, if you think of something like health and safety as an industry, it was non-existent, pretty much. Like you could say it was informally existed. People always wanted to be safe. But as an industry where there's money rolling around inside it, it has grown massively in the last 20, 30 years in Ireland. And something like that needs to happen. That's what everyone is saying needs to happen in terms of biodiversity. We need to have investment into the space. So Wildwork is pushing to make that investment happen. And it's not just pushing the government or whatever else. It's just trying to create this dynamic where if we can have everybody wanting this through education and awareness and helping people to do the right thing, then that happens. That starts to happen. So this is very important. And it is important, Amanda, because people can get the wrong idea too that if Wildwork is coming along somewhere, they're just trying to, you know, what about the other people that are already doing this work? And there's so many people and organizations doing amazing work in Ireland. That like while work, the concept is that we're here to support that, to help people to do what they're already doing and, and to help others do the right thing. And then the other thing with the money, then it's much like if you thought of, if you were going to invest in wild work to help you, it's almost like if you were going to build a house and you get an architect, the idea here, right, is that you get a good architect and you pay them money out of your budget. And, it, you know, you're trying to do it for as cheap as you can. But what can happen is pay that architect. So you've got a 100,000 budget, whatever you have. You pay them no more than 5% of it. And the theory here is that they actually, you still spend the same money, but you get way, 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 way better value out of that money. So, and this is the other sell about what we're doing is that so if a if a company will say wanted to undertake biodiversity action develop a biodiversity action plan why invest in that it's because we will drum up the interest get engagement going get people inspired about wanting this to happen there'll be buy-in from the get-go and it'll be something that everyone wants and equally any money then that gets spent it keeps everyone happy because it's what they all want but critically it's helping you spend the money in the right way, not the wrong way. Like, and we've seen it in, particularly in public funding cycles, when there's no money available to do stuff for biodiversity, there's no money available all year long. When you're planning, when you're looking for it, there's no money available, never any money. Then all of a sudden at the end of the year, oh, there's a hundred thousand just here that didn't get spent. And if we don't spend that right now, we won't get it again next year. We have to spend it on something. Yeah. I know what we need to do. We need to clear fell all the trees in that park because a lot of them are sycamores and they're actually not really a good. So being sarcastic, but this is the sort of stuff that happens. There's actually big money then gets spent on stuff that's ridiculous. And so part of what we do is you can help bring together plans and help people to come up with what they want to do with their money and and then when money does get spent, hopefully it gets spent in a really well way, a really good way, just like hiring an architect should be that same idea. Mm. You know, they, it's not about how big you can build your house. It's like how good you can build your house and that it satisfies everything you need.
And then, Will, is, just for me to understand it, is the long-term goal then to bring the wild work kind of charitable business model forward into Cavan and West Limerick, like to follow on from this program? Is that the, the long-term aim or is it, is that kind of, I don't know, or like, what, what, what are you thinking about that? Is it, that it's, the plan? it's in the, it's in the, we don't know space. Yeah. Like that, you that how it goes. needs to be, it needs to be explored. Like, so, and that's one of the things through the evaluation piece mm. that will be explored. I do think this is something that's needed nationally in Ireland. And if it's going to be established nationally in Ireland, obviously we need to kind of learn from what we've learned in, in the CCAD experience for stuff that has went well and hasn't went well. And we need to, so it, there's a bit of fine tuning needed for it ultimately to be a sustainable concept. But I think it, it comes back to investment. So CCAD invested in setting this up. So if we were going to establish a wild work anywhere else, well, we've got to look at how, how does that happen, but there's an investment would be needed for that to happen as well. It won't just happen by chance. So who makes that investment? I don't know. Yeah. There's loads of ways around that, but these are the things to be explored. And to be fair, like there are programs throughout our country that are dedicated towards trying to make our society better for one reason or another, but that's the way to put it. So maybe it's the case that we might need a national program of wild work mm. uh, all over Ireland, but that's pure hypothesizing at this stage. We have only, even though we've been on a long journey, right, of the experiences mm. that led to the establishment of wild work and the five years since, since this is a new beginning. Mm. And the time frame of this cooperation project, it's going to be happening across the next 18 months or so say two years by the time there's stuff drag on and learning and surely you and I Amanda might be talking to each other again in two years time about something to do with this project right yeah and, or another one <laughs> yeah <laughs> but while, well, <laughs> while all yeah and while all that's happening though the cooperation project which we're calling wild work right but yeah. it's not the only thing happening there are other stuff going to continue to happen we're still mm, of course wild work is still operating as it will always have within CCAD we're still there to provide services for people even if there's like there could be someone listening to this now if this if this recording was shared there could be somebody listening and they, they might like to do something while working just because the program isn't running in their area there's nothing to stop them contacting us saying would you be able to come and help us to you know would you be able to run talks with local businesses would you be able to do a biodiversity action plan would you could you help us in any way you can have those conversations still but what I'm getting at is that the let's call it the commercial side of wild work or the business side of it. That's going to be tipping along too. We'll still be developing that. CCAD itself is taking a very detailed look at wild work during this last few months and going forward because we have actually reached five years now and we're like, where is this going to be in two years time and five years time? So we're looking at all that stuff. So there's going to be a lot of further development. Certainly this program is going to, it's going to lead to a huge amount of awareness around wild work itself what it's all about like just by the sheer numbers of people getting involved we'll be fine so at the end of all of that like we will definitely be somewhere where someone is deciding to do something they might be just saying that was some waste of time like what a silly idea <laughs> let's throw let's throw that idea in the bin because clearly like it didn't really work that could happen like we're we're open to that too but the, all the indicators are there that this is this concept is going places 
and everyone involved in it, everybody involved in it, like is feels the same way it seems so far. So we'll we're going to keep it going, and then we'll, I don't know, where do you think it's going to go, Amanda? <laughs> I, I I love the concept of getting money into the space so that there's an economy and that these things drive each other forward. And I, I 100% agree with you that it's absolutely not fair that we rely on people's goodwill and voluntary hours to look after the environment. It just isn't. And it also prevents a lot of skills and people who would have you know like because people who have time to volunteer um aren't always you know like not everybody has time to volunteer so you've loads of people in the um loads of people in tidy towns who have retired now at this point you know and they would love to have help from uh younger people to do various things and there might be people of the younger generation who have like different types of knowledge you know that they can bring to the table that you'd benefit from that cross generational perspective and so people who don't have time who are young and have to work full-time and have families and all they don't have time to volunteer and so they're not contributing into it and that's not that's rubbish really do you know like because yeah you're not you're not and it's just it is unfair it's not it's not it's not fair to rely on water pollution to be managed by rivers trusts you know like that needs there needs to be you can't you can't say it should all come from bottom up. The top has to do something as well. You know, they have to get a bit more yeah. involved and take more action, I think, uh, and put some money into it so that it isn't all grassroots, voluntary all of the time. So I would love to see money coming into this as a space and for, for yeah. it to be an industry. And look, it's meant to be coming. It should have yeah. been spent already. This conversation barely mentions COVID. The world work world was turned upside down like everyone else's during that time. And we've gone through two years of that. But like what is going to say about the money is that, I mean, there was a new government had formed shortly afterwards. There was all these sort of things built in around biodiversity themed investment. So all this stuff is on the cards. But having to respond to the pandemic has kind of put stuff on the back burner. So it's like there's all these promises of investment to happen. But the reality is the last two years of, has seen very, very little investment in biodiversity just because it's to do with like a delay. It's almost like there's been a pause and literally in some projects. So we have a community project now that we're going to be working on this year with one group and we'll be starting it around the summertime. And we were working with them on the idea in 2018 and they secured funding at the end of 2018 for us to work on the project in 2019. And it's worth... This is only a small project, but it's a perfect example of how everything else is working. So it was only like a 1,200 euro project or something, a training program. And it was paused, delayed, all things were opening up, it'll do it then. And one way or the other, it's all being slowed up. And this goes for everyone else working and stuff. We were working on this project the whole time, rejigging the concept, coming up with a different idea for how to do it. We actually put loads of time into it since, but it still hasn't started. And now we're going to be commencing it in 2022. Yeah. But what this, the point about this here is that's a 1,200 euros of investment into biodiversity action that was supposed to happen in the summer of 2019. 
and that money isn't actually getting spent until the summer of 2022. Mm. No one said they won't give the money. There was none of this. It just didn't happen. So we've had a major period of time where it didn't. But if we harp back to before COVID, there was there was money starting to come in for biodiversity action. It was already getting going at the beginning of 2019. It was at the beginning of 20. It was 2018. We had Ireland's first biodiversity conference. You were probably at that, Amanda. It was really exciting. Like things are, this sector is kind of like, oh, is this something about to happen here? And it didn't, but like that, like COVID was a was an issue there for investment. But then when the new government came along, just at the beginning of COVID, there's all things built into the government program and all things built into lots of other funding programs through Europe or whatever. That's all got to do with biodiversity. That's all Wildbrook themed. So I don't know, like I, I, I would be, well, I'd be disappointed, but I would be actually surprised. It would be a way better word to use mm. if this money doesn't start getting spent on biodiversity action. Like it would be baffling if it doesn't happen because it's absolutely what's meant that. And now the only thing that's been going, maybe preventing it has just been a delay and it's understandable. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's something for the, the timing of this program then is great because what better a time to learn about all this sort of stuff then maybe we're at the frontier here that we're about to embark upon a real exciting adventure in ireland as a country where we're going to be spending money on biodiversity action over yeah. the next few years like proper money wouldn't that be amazing <laughs> yeah so uh there you go now amanda that's yeah. most of what i can think of <laughs> that's great <laughs> well i but i i kind of understand how it came about better now if you know what I mean I had some of those bits of information but maybe not the whole the whole story tied together like that so um yeah thank you. that's that's great thank you for listening to part one of this podcast we hope you'll join us in part two